You've stumbled upon the Book Stops Here podcast, a book review podcast that will help you impress your frivolous, fancy friends at the next wine tasting or yacht party. The lords will marvel at your rich tastes, and the ladies will certainly swoon at your intellectual intensity. Pour yourself a warm glass of brandy and light your pipes. Prepare to be enlightened. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Book Stops Here podcast. I'm the Beef. I'm the Mick. And we're here again today. This time we'll be doing a review on the book Ford Nation by Rob and Doug Ford. Uh, you would know Rob Ford back in 16. There was a viral video that went around of him. Rob Ford was the mayor of Toronto. Well, not at the time. Not at the time, but I think 2014 or 2015 was his last year in office. Yeah, so his he uh, um, he was elected in 2010, and people in the United States would remember him because he kind of went famous right around the end of his term, around 2013 or so. Uh, every news organization had him as crack smoking mayor Bob Ford. Yep, and uh, there was he was on the Late Show. I think he might have. He was a big couple night show talk shows that he was on TV. Um, but yeah, he was known as the crack smoking mayor of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And so this book was written mostly by his brother Doug, and then. It was also mostly about Rob and his rise to mayor in politics in Canada. So I, I wrote down their, uh, the family. So the dad's name of the dad, the father of Rob Ford, was Doug Sr. Uh, I didn't write down the mom's name. Whoops. Anyways. That's sexist. I'm sorry. <laughs> the oldest sister was Kathy. The next oldest child was Randy. Uh, Doug was the second to youngest, the brother who helped write this book, and then Rob was the youngest. So there was four siblings, two bro- three brothers, and one sister. They grew up in North Etobicoke? Or I think, uh, I think their mom's name was Diane. Okay, Diane? Yes. All right. So the mother's name was Diane. The father's name was Doug Sr., they grew up in North Etobicoke, one of six administrative districts of Toronto in Canada. And this is before Toronto was a, what they called a mega city or whatever. They referred to it as like a mega city or a mega municipality or something yeah, like and, that. Yeah, and it's because uh, Toronto came to encompass a lot of the surrounding. Uh, they, they were all different areas in a way similar to New York City. I know it's on a smaller scale, but... Uh, so, for example, Harlem used to be its own town. Okay, uh, yeah. Manhattan was its own, you know, and they it came was colloquially together. referred to as New York. I see. And then it, it grew until all the different boroughs were, they used to be different administrative okay. units. They weren't just a neighborhood. They were. Okay. So, I'm going to walk through it again, chapter by chapter. Uh, I'll talk about the notes. Just real quick. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. Both we of neither of us completed this book. Yeah, neither one of us <laughs> completed it on time. Uh, this guy is enjoying his last weekend of freedom. He's been trying to plan a wedding. Uh, I've had family issues and uh, a lot, lot, lot of overtime at work. So, yep, we're on the struggle bus. We're riding the struggle bus. Although, it's not for lack of uh, desire to finish the book. I'm actually going to finish this afterwards, I'm, and I'm going to take my time and really enjoy it because this is a pretty good book. I'm not going to lie. It definitely was. I think it was better than both of us thought it would be. I was pleasantly surprised because 
I thought I was going to absolutely hate this thing. And <laughs> by the end of it, I was mostly just frustrated that, God, it's just, I don't have time. Right. Yep. Amen. Chapter one basically starts at the 2010 municipal election, basically like a, a flash forward in this case from the standpoint of the book. Um, six minutes into that election, he was announced the winner. He had almost 400,000 votes, and second place was only at 289,000. And the biggest in the chapter, they go into it more. They talk about the four principles they used in their campaign. But just in this, quick, just a quick aside, can you imagine how nice it would be if we knew the results of an election the <laughs> night of? <laughs> My word, that Holy was shit, unheard right. of. <laughs> yeah, unheard of. That's a good point. We don't do that here. No, nope, not anymore. Jesus. Now we have to have an investigation for six months. But uh, <laughs> yeah. hold on, hold on, because somewhere in that six months, more ballots might come in the mail. <laughs> Four a.m. Not saying, just saying. So the biggest point he ran on was fiscal responsibility. Yes. Now he was an independent. Yes. Because even so, though his father was associated with the uh, they call it the PC party, it's yeah. the progressive conservatives or shorthand conservatives. Yep, yep. Uh, it's the right wing, relatively speaking, uh, party in Canada. So his his brother kind of briefly outlines that the fiscal responsibility was a big thing. Stop the gravy train was a huge slogan they yep. used for his campaign, which I think is a great slogan. <laughs> the Crack, he talks about the crack video immediately and s says that it was released six months after he died from cancer. Yeah, everyone knew he had been. He was on crack for years. So like you said, this. in 2013, the, the news the media broke. basically broke the story saying, we saw a video where Rob Mayer. We have, yeah, we have to get rid of him. He's and the, we have to, no. Yeah, we have to get rid of him. He's a crack smoker. That's totally not the only reason they I wanted honestly, to get rid of him. I honestly didn't believe that he was a crack smoker when I first saw him. because no. So he is the fattest crackhead I've ever seen. He is a very large man. He was a, well, yeah. He's, <laughs> or it, he's not a, a huge fat ass. I mean, he was a, a, look at he, it. He's no, a fat ass. He's a fat ass. <laughs> but but he's not morbidly big, obese. Is he was morbidly obese. This is a big fat fuck. <laughs> okay. Uh, after reading this book, I have new appreciation for Rob Ford or reading as much of it as I have. Yeah. And look, digging more into his life than just what I saw in the news. I have a new appreciation for this guy. I actually kind of like this guy. But let's call a spade a spade. He's a big, <laughs> fat fuck. Okay, he's fat fuck. All right, fine. Another argument one. <laughs> uh, I also became to realize from the little... the From his brother talking in the first chapter, he's basically this, like we briefly talked about, he was pretty much the prototype to Trump. He was, yeah. So we talked about this very, very briefly. Uh, this guy was a populist. He was not a particularly far right. Uh, he, w he would be considered in the United States to be like a moderate Republican. Yes. Like ideologically. Yes. But he, he was not like a far right, far left he, guy. He, he, really wasn't, wasn't, he, he wasn't, wasn't involved in culture issues. He really didn't get involved. He was very much a, an accountability and transparency, uh, transparency and reformer kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, the media hated his guts go so figure like, yeah big shock can't have accountability that. and no. transparency Fuck in government no. and the other reason they hated him is because he at some point later in 
the chapters I read, they talked about he would talk to like 80 people a day. Like yep. just constituents calling in. He would answer his own phone. And phones. he would answer his own damn phone. No, Toronto. Talk to people. Toronto's population of what? Like, uh, what was it? One point something million? Pretty big. Million? Yeah. It's a huge city. And yeah, we'll, we'll get to that more, but it was pretty amazing. Oh, so it, it does talk about the four principles for the Ford family. Yeah, plan. sorry. I cut you off. Uh, Customer service excellence. So answering phones, talking yeah. to people, going door to door, solving oh, yeah, people's if, problems. Yeah, if they if you they couldn't reach you, they would follow up with you in person at a later date. Exactly. Maybe. Like, hey, you had a problem. We wanted to come talk to you in person to fix it. Reduce size and cost of government. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Transparency yep. and accountability. One of Holy his big shit. one of his big things was the uh, uh, transportation. They talked about that early in the yeah. book. Yeah, and the fourth one is rapid underground transit was yep. his big one. He wanted sub subway system to get to the outer suburbs. Because it was such a bitch for everybody to come from outside of the city into the city. And we're talking about a city that grew re- very, very quickly in a relatively small amount of time. Yep. And so they had a lot of streetcars. A they, lot of congestion. A lot. He <laughs> Later on, he, he was really angry at bicyclists and shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So that was pretty much... Pretty much chapter one was just kind of briefly talking about his election and how everything went really well. Broad summary of the platform. Exactly. Chapter two kind of goes into their early life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talks about how Doug and Rob played hockey together growing up. They loved sports. Their dad wasn't really into sports. Their dad was pretty much just all work, no play. Rob, Doug talks about one time Rob was asked where he wanted to live, and Rob said he wanted to live in the community housing project with some of his friends and his, you know, the rest of the family's like, why do you want to live with all the poor people? Because <laughs> yeah. they were, they were not, uh, they were not um, poor. They were like middle class were until like, the, until were the like, family business really took off. Well, the family business took off. I mean, it started right before uh, Rob was born. Yes. So like most of his time growing up, they were, pretty financially secure they were secure but they weren't like you know gold oh, no. toilets or oh anything no these, like were, these that. were it wasn't that much like that. <laughs> yeah uh then uh he enjoyed the hell out of football uh he actually went to a couple football camps one yep. in notre dame it was funny he, he uh because when he was younger he was insecure about his weight yeah. So he would just run all the fucking time. Yeah, and he, he lost like 100 pounds or something like Over that. Over a few months. Over a couple of months. Yeah, he like and really he, worked himself Because when he was a little kid, he was skinny. And then he gained a ton of weight like early adolescence. In the middle school, middle school yeah. is what I understood. Then like eighth grade, he's Into like, high school, screw he, this shit. He, did, um, he was a brick shit. <laughs> you see the pictures of him? Like yeah. he still is kind of fat in the face, but like this kid was just fucking big. Yep, yep. Oh, my gosh. So he played the hell out of football, went down to that Notre Dame camp. Apparently, the Notre Dame coaches, if you went in, if you deviated from the diet, basically, in the workout regiment, you weren't allowed to go to practice the next day. So he he said he remembers when he was down there at Notre Dame, they would run and they would go past a McDonald's and he would just dream of Big Macs. So the first thing he did when he got out of that camp was he had a Big Mac. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, that's relatable, though. That's Uh, a dream. (laughs) That's relatable because the first thing I got when I got out of basic training was I went to Burger King and had a real, like, cheeseburger. Really? Yep. That's all I wanted. I got out of basic training. I was like, I want a real cheeseburger. I'm so sick of this army food. (laughs) Actually, army food is really good, but, like, it's so different than civilian food. Oh, really? So, because they cater. Almost all the time. If if army cooks are making it, it's ass. 
because mm. it's almost all made in a bag. Oh, okay. But like, if if civilians are like, most of the army is uh, civilian contractors, and they make good food. I see. They, and and it's kind of like locally based too. So like when I was in the deep south for like training before going to Afghanistan, like they had like collard greens and stuff. I'd never had collard greens before. You know? Oh, okay. But like the food in in the 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 chow halls and stuff like that it was so good. Huh. Oh, it's so good. But they'd give you no time to eat it. No shit. And there's no grease. And there's no. It's very, very healthy. Okay. And so, like, you can have basically as much as you want. I see. But you got a, two minutes to eat it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're it's shoveling like, food you're in. Just shoveling it down <laughs> your throat. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Uh, so, relatable. Yep. Relatable. Like sports, football, and hockey. Uh, worked on a road repair crew. Yes. Yep. He loved physical stuff. He loved. He loved. Uh, and made uh, some work. decent money supposedly as a kid back then. I think they said like eleven dollars an hour, or something which is a lot back, back then. In like the seven. Well, no, eighties. It would have been eighties or nineties. Yeah, yeah, I think he was in the eighties. Yep. Then Rob went to a couple colleges, but eventually dropped out and went to work at Deco, where the other brothers, business. pretty much his family business. Yeah, because that was his, his dad. Uh, uh, did he sell it to a bigger company or did he buy it? I know he started the business Initially, himself. initially they just had a business doing the sales, and they would outsource to have oh, the, the labels made. Oh, that's what it was. Made. They bought the, pro- the stuff then, to make it. And then they eventually bought the equipment and started their own facility. Yes. Yep. So that's where Chapter 3 goes into, how his mother and father met. They met at a pool because his dad was a lifeguard. Apparently his dad was a marathon swimmer or something like that. Yep. And uh, had a motorcycle. <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah and he the, was giving her a ride he's like hey i give you a ride home or whatever and she got on the back of the bike apparently yeah back, he wrecked it like right back the then they would oil the roads yep. so it was slicker and dog shit and he fucking wiped out on his bike with the mom on the back <laughs> and uh that's that's when they knew yep <laughs> she's like well it can't possibly get worse than this so let's see this thing through goes on to say the father started at label at a label company as a salesman that's what happened okay and then he left to start his own business and bought out his partner and then bought equipment 1970 was the first successful year of deco labels and from the and it took off from there then we get to chapter four this is where the dad doug takes doug jr and rob on that trip to south korea yeah they they went uh to a couple asian countries and taiwan yep yep and Japan, uh, or did his dad go to Japan by himself? Yeah, and initially he, he take had, his, okay. and then he took the boys later on a separate trip. And he was talking about how efficiently they used the space because they had these like little tiny factories that were in an area like a footprint like the size of the house. So what they'd have is like three layers and like three floors, and basically like the the, the instead of the part moving laterally across they'd the go floor, vertical. it would go vertically. Okay, it's finished here, and then it would they dump it on a little thing, and it would take it up to the next floor, and then it would go so it went worked up instead of out. Yeah, that's that's pretty efficient. That's, well, yeah. <laughs> he said they had their presses in a pit. Yes, at like the a, bottom floor. It, it looked like a um, it looked like a car change. Yeah, oil yeah. Changing. At a at a car garage where they do oil changes in the little pit underneath your car. That's yep. how they would do it there. I think it was in South Korea or Taiwan. I can't remember. And then they went to this hotel that was very, uh, he made it sound like it was kind of ritzy, but at the same time, there was nobody there at the hotel. He goes on to say that later on, Rob got in trouble for making an anti-Asian PC remark, even though it was actually 
he meant it in a good way, but it was misinterpreted oh. to make it sound like he was talking down on the Asian community. Yeah, because he, he said something to the effect of... They were hard workers or something. Oh, yeah. Like, the, it was like, it was meant it was, to mean they were hard workers. He, something like uh, uh, he said, oh, they're so hard, such hard workers, they sleep on their factory floors. That's what it was. Like yeah, they were... Something to that because effect. Because when they went to the one factory, where th- it was either where they were making labels or they were building the machines in a yep. village somewhere. And, yeah, the workers would take a nap at their, at their workstations. Work yep. So they were stepping over people while they were sleeping to take a tour of the facility. And and Rob said that and they're like, "Oh, you're 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 stereotyping, you know, Asian people." Yeah, because and they then, were sleeping at their workstations like And then what? Uh, <laughs> a bunch of Asian people contacted him and was like, "Hey, thank you for positively representing the work ethic in my culture." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so that, funny, funny story okay. about that. Oh, okay. Because uh, this was got brought up in the news recently. Uh, Elon Musk. I did not know this about him, but uh, when he was at Te- well, he's still at Tesla. But like uh, when Tesla was struggling and he was struggling to, I forget what year it was, uh, like 2011 or something like that. They were really, really struggling. Yep. And he actually went to the factory and stayed with the workers. So what they would do is they had they'd set up cots oh. for the workers to sleep at the factory, and they were working six hours a day, for like twelve or six not six hours a day six days a week twelve hours a day. Okay. So it was easier just to have them stay there, so yeah. they wouldn't have to commute and stuff like that. Yep. And a lot of them agreed to. Wow. And he said, "Well, if there's one person in my factory that's sleeping on the factory floor because you know because of the hours we're working, I'm sleeping on the factory floor too." Damn. And I know people love to shit on Elon Musk, and I know he's not perfect, but, like... That's that's good leadership, That's though. good leadership. I respect the shit out of Fucking that. Fucking A. Um, and, like, that kind of reminds me of this attitude that he had towards work ethic. Yep. Both of them had, a, like, a really positive attitude towards work ethic. And Elon has also gotten in trouble for, you know, uh, talking about how efficient that the Asian factories run. Right. So, Chapter 4 was all about that trip where they got mm-hmm. to experience that Asian culture. Chapter 5, they start to talk about how the dad got into politics, if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, they, they, uh, they, he got a surprise, is what he got. Yeah. He said he, he, said he didn't want to do it. Yeah. Because they asked him openly to run, and he said no. So they briefly mentioned the pre-amalgamation politics with uh, Doug Holliday, the mayor of Etobicoke, or whatever the hell the name of that places they're from it's probably got a it's a weird weird pronunciation it's a weird word yeah and uh new basically the new democratic party governor bob ray was presiding over a recession failed on some campaign promises in the 90s at the this is before toronto like the city existed then basically this is what you're talking about where the boys, Doug and Rob were like, dad, you should run for politics. You know, cause dad was interested in politics. He was interested in it, but he didn't want any part of it, which relatable. Yes. <laughs> he, Amen. And, and it's funny. Cause so there was a party he was desperately opposed to called the NDP. And I forget what it stands for. Oh yeah. Uh, but he, they used to tease him and they'd, and the, they'd call him Dipper. Okay. Which was a reference to NDP. Yep, yep, yep. That was that was their nickname for him. So yeah, they ended up they put Doug Senior's name in for nomination unbeknownst to him and basically forced his hand. 
into running in politics. Yeah, because he got elected. Yep. <laughs> they, so, they basically ran a campaign that he didn't want to run, and then he got elected, and he's like, well, shit, now I'm in. <laughs> so he starts a campaign. The whole family pretty much helps. Like, all the siblings came home and helped knock on doors through the whole community, and everybody already knew him because the whole family, either between Deco Labels, their family company, or the companies all of them had worked a part of, you know, yeah, the Fords growing been, up. The Fords had been in that community for a long time. Everybody knew him, respected him, and he came out victorious as a part of the common sense revolution is what they called it. This goes into Chapter 6. All I have written down, the father had balls. Oh, because, uh, so father had balls. Uh, he believed in that customer service, you know, mm-hmm is top priority and he held mike harris which i think at the time was the 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 mayor of the whatever whatever administrative district doug senior was a councilman and mike harris was the mayor of uh at a at etobicoke this is before toronto city existed yeah. so well i mean it, it was still toronto i think it was toronto but it wasn't the it wasn't huge... it, yeah it wasn't a mega city yet yeah uh, etobicoke humber i think is what it's called yeah so basically the story i remember was mike harris was heading up a council session or something like that and oh, doug... no, i think he was heading the the, the caucus Oh, maybe that was it. It was, the, it was the Progressive Conservative Caucus. But Doug Sr. was pissed at him because he hadn't returned a call to a constituent. Mm-hmm. And Mike Harris Which, was... That's, that's a high... St- <laughs> like, man. Like, <laughs> Canadian politics of, like, the 90s. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, yeah. And God. Mike Harris was finally like, fine, Doug, I'll fucking call him. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was a funny story. Then we start chapter seven. The 98 is when the amalgamation happened. And Toronto Mega City combined Toronto, East York, North York, York, Scarborough, and Etobicoke, or whatever the fuck it's called. So that's, so 98 is when what we know now as the city of Toronto began to exist. He, then Doug goes on to say there's some lessons from his father in his brief term, you know, as councilman, customer service is number one. Only trust the person you see in the mirror <laughs> was one he said. I was like, man, there's a lot of truth there. And then uh, Rob found, oh, Rob found his calling because Rob joined the family business and began, or, Doug said that Rob found his calling, I think, door knocking for his father in politics and was a good salesman doing cold calls and talking with people. And that and Doug thinks that that's where Rob found his calling. Yeah. So uh, because Rob had done a, bun- a couple of different jobs, but he bounced around a lot. But then when he joined the family business at Deco. Yeah. Uh, being a salesman for them. Doug and Rob both were salesmen they, yep, for they Deco. They both worked uh, salesmen at Deco. And they both learned to respect salesmen and just cold calling people and learning how to talk to people, basically. Mm-hmm. It's what they thought was like the biggest thing they took from the family business. 
Yeah. Uh, it sounds like his dad didn't really like the political game very much, though. No, his dad, his, his dad, yeah, was a very, it seems like the whole family was a bunch of straight shooters in a lot of ways. And that's probably why his dad didn't like the political game. Yes. Isn't that why you didn't like the political game? Because uh, <laughs> if I recall, you held office for a little while, bud. Yeah, I, I technically held two different offices. One of them, really, I was, two? yeah, because I was elected for the Board of Education. Mm-hmm. But then I stepped into a empty seat on a village council for about six or seven months if i remember oh i didn't know that yep yeah so i've i've seen small town municipal politics nothing big but either way it's still shit and uh, (laughs) you know it's not fun oh you tried to get me to run for office one time and i was like (laughs) fuck no (laughs) fuck no Yep. see you're smart (laughs) oh god no i'm a coward Uh, i'm a coward with some spicy facebook posts in my past that i don't (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, no politics. I don't want to be like a fucking Supreme Court justice and have everybody standing outside of my house with blowhorns and shit. Yeah, as much as I hate that it's all mostly old men and women, you know, in politics. I understand why it's only old men and women in politics because they're the only ones that have fucking time to deal with the horseshit going on up there. Oh, that's true, dude. (laughs) All retired fucks. They have all kinds of time. It's not a political job that you can support your family on. Yeah. Like, if the salary or whatever you get paid, like, uh, most young people can't, they don't want to get into that there's, because it's going to cause a stress on their personal finances. There's kind of a quiet row going on in the Libertarian Party right now. There's a bunch of people that are talking about post-libertarianism, and they basically, they're like, unless you're independently wealthy and you got your shit straight, you shouldn't be involved in politics. They're like, otherwise, the best thing you can do for yourself is just concentrate on yourself and not even pay attention to politics, especially considering the whole COVID horseshit and, you know, how they were basically almost ready to force everybody to undergo vaccination. Oh, they tried. They tried really hard, and I don't think it's going to be the last attempt. So No, I'm <laughs> sure it won't. I think COVID itself is kind of on the way out, but in terms of, like, the political viability of the that. The tools they gained from this but the aren't tools going they away. Gain, no, that's going to come back. Yep. I guarantee it. Yeah. I think we talked about that when they started doing the lockdowns. It's like, look, they can get rid of COVID lockdowns. I keep freaking out when I see that wasp in <laughs> <laughs> the the it's like we can the COVID lockdowns might go away, but this shit's going to continue and they're going to keep bringing finding stupid reasons to fuck with the economy. Yep. Like if if there's a, a politician they don't like in charge, they now have another tool to destabilize. Yep. Amen. It's it's just and it's going to cause chaos. That's all it's done. Agreed. Agreed. So, yeah, I totally sympathize with the, you know, trust the person in the mirror. <laughs> I, I sympathize with wanting to get out of politics. That, too. Yeah. That, that's that just sounds, he's the only one in this family with any brains, honestly. <laughs> uh, so, Chapter 8. Uh, this is Rob's first run in 97, and he lost with 9,000 votes for himself total. And then uh, he was in, I want to say it was like fourth place. Yeah. He it was, was a respectable it, amount. Though. There was, it wasn't like he got stomped on. No, he didn't get, he creamed. had a pretty good standing and he knew it was because most of the community knew him and yeah. trusted him. Yeah. He had that name recognition. Exactly. Uh, and then uh, he ran in Etobicoke center and he ran for city councilman. And then the second run, he won. He run with 6,000 votes, big signs, and his dad's reputation helped him. 
Also, uh, a former colleague of his dad's was the attorney general. So is this in an off year, I'm guessing? I don't know much about the electoral like schedule for Canadian politics. but So... Because he, he got fewer votes, but he won. Which no, no I, the first run he lost. Yeah, it's the, the second run he But won. you said he won with 6,000 as opposed to the first one he lost with 9,000. Yeah, you're right. Was it a different seat? I It must have been. It was either a different seat or, or no, it was a, it was a lot. It, or, yeah, I, I want to. might have been a uh, low turnout oh, year. Okay, so Rob's first run was in 97, and in 98 is when they did the amalgamation. Oh, that might have changed so the district it, it size. It changed districts a little bit, and uh, yeah, that would have made a difference. Okay. Yep. I didn't think that about that. That makes sense. Okay, so that talks about they put up big fucking signs, by the way. They said oh, yeah. they had billboards, and because of, they had a label company. Well, that they, they needed owned. a big sign to get his fat ass on the <laughs> sign. <laughs> True. I should it, not be speaking ill will of the spoiler uh, alert, the dead. Yeah, the dead. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> so. After they talk about his victory on his second run and uh, how he, the strategy of him, and I believe Doug was a part of the campaign team again for his brother. Because uh, uh, Doug was a politician in his own right. But he didn't enter until Rob became mayor. Really? Yep. Okay. Yep. So it goes on to talk about it. So chapter nine uh, talks about his inauguration as a councilman. Uh he voted opposite of whatever Jack Layton, <laughs> uh, uh, which Jack Layton wasn't like a big political opponent, but Jack Layton kind of took Rob under his wing initially mm-hmm. and kind of showed him the ropes, how things worked. Because from what I understand, the first like 90 days, I think, was said, might have even been six months or something like that. Rob was kind of quiet and he just wanted to learn the ropes, how everybody operated, the way things went currently so i gotta call on your experience again is that kind of because is that familiar to you oh yeah because yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember when Walk- you first got elected you didn't really say a whole lot well and i'll be honest most of my term i didn't say shit i was a young pup i yeah, mean there was only like a few different times i really spoke up one of them was when they wanted to change the term they wanted to change it from four to six years on the board of education and i was against it i was like why the hell do we the only reason they wanted to change to six years is so it lined up uh, better with the uh, well they also moved the elections from May to November because it was a spring election but then they're like well let's just do it in November with the rest of the elections well the other reason they I think they wanted to do that was because it's easier to uh, you get a bigger voter turnout and I, six six years would be weird though, because you're using, doing it on off year elections. Yeah, so you that, did it four and lined it up with like general that, elections. And that's the way I want. I wanted it to be four years, and I also liked it better in the spring, just okay. be, because the people that actually gave a shit would show up. Oh, not, that makes sense. Not yeah, the not people that just go that. on election years that you know. Yeah, because some people only vote every four years. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people that vote only four years. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, being the new person, especially an 18-year-old showing up, you yeah. know. And, so us, and us I totally you on the school board was almost, was kind of a troll, though. Yeah. It was kind of a troll. Mm-hmm. Like, Yep. No, I it was kind of a troll. And, I and was, it worked. I was, it I worked, worked, too, because <laughs> do you remember people coming up and approaching us in the school? Oh, yeah. And, like, bitching about it? Yes. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> 
because uh, full disclosure, I was your campaign manager. I was I was going to talk about this as we got to talk about oh, Doug okay. becoming. I'm sorry, I keep no, you're, jumping you're, you. You're, you're good. You're good, but it's totally relatable. I forget what chapter all this shit's in. Oh yeah, I, going through it, it's it's fun. But yeah, no, you were you were a campaign manager. I, I, I didn't actually do all that much. No, I, it wasn't like we were making signs or nothing. I wanted to. But yeah, we were we were both high school students, and it was right at the end of our senior year, so kind of had our hands full. We're, and we're poor, you know. We oh, don't yeah, have money all, to buy fucking, fucking campaign broke. fucking advertising. Yeah, prom. That was the only thing I was really worried about was prom. Yep. yep. So and, yeah, and, and not not missing any credits, so I didn't have to do any fucking summer school. <laughs> Amen. I was on the verge, man. <laughs> I'm sure I came close to. Uh, I was on the verge of having to do some shit. Yep. Yeah. Senioritis. Some <laughs> yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. Hated it. Hated it. So, yeah, he uh, came in, didn't know much about anything, so he stuck close to this Jack Layton guy. And Jack Layton was pretty upfront with him, but Rob didn't like the way he voted, so he would just vote opposite of Jack Layton. Doug, at this time, the brother Doug that wasn't in politics at the time, he was in Chicago setting up their new deco facility down in Chicago. So he didn't really know much at the time other than when Rob would call him to bitch about what's going on in the council. The budget was the big first fight. Basically one of Rob's biggest things because they came in and they were like 700. No, that was, that was when he became mayor. When, when Rob first got into the council as a councilman, he everybody was talking about how they're going to raise taxes to make up for their budget deficit and all this shit. And Rob's like, Hey, look, we have all this fat to trim out from the council the council spending accounts. Like all their individual office expenditure accounts. There's people spending like twenty to fifty thousand dollars out of their expenditure accounts for lunches and conferences, hotel rooms all this random shit that they don't need that they could just fork out themselves. He's like, and for his first year in office, Rob Ford's expenditures was $20 compared to others that were spending over 10 to, you know, upwards of 50 in some cases. And this is just like personal expenses. Cause they give like, people like, an... yeah, their office expenditures. So okay. like, any like travel, all that shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They were just racking up the bills. I'm uh, sure they were taking advantage of it. Hell yeah! And Rob was like, "This is fat. We need to cut this. This is the gravy train," as he would say. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "We can cut this right now, and we won't have to raise taxes, and people will love us for it." And that's exactly what happened. And also, it made the other councils hate him. Because obviously, which is hilarious. <laughs> because if they just went along with it, yeah. they would have been secured in their position. Amen. They wouldn't have had to have gotten you know kicked out of office because of their dumb antics. And then also at the same time, he's doing the customer service thing, so he's constantly talking to his constituents back mm-hmm. in Etobicoke, where the hell it's called. And uh, he even started to receive calls from outside of his district from other wards, which was piss off councilmen even more. Because he would go solve issues in other wards, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much poaching from other council, yeah. and they hated him for that. And it, <laughs> so he didn't make any friends. He was not making was, friends. Yeah, he was not making. <laughs> he, he didn't do the political game. No, not at all. Not at all. Not a fucking lick. And you know what? It worked. It fucking worked. So then we get into chapter ten. Rob runs again for the third time, 
and won with 80% of the votes. Like, fucking la- landslide. Yeah. Just, like, the results nobody speak for, could The compete. results speak for itself. Yep. And then he. this is where he starts to go on the John Oakley show. It's, like, this AM radio station, and he would just rant and rave about all the corrupt shit going on in the council and all the unnecessary expenditures that's going on and all these political bullshitters out there. So this what that's one piece of his of his style that really helped him was that he was willing to go and talk every day everybody became familiar with him mm-hmm. understood you know that he's a real person he's not just a fucking politician. I mean can you imagine if the the let's say the the city council in Battle Creek went on like live with rank or something like oh, that Oh yeah is rank still I don't know good question So uh, yeah for anybody who doesn't know that's a uh, um in a nearby city that's he's a like a AM talk show that's 95.3 FM. Yeah, so he's a, it's an FM radio station. It's right there in Battle Creek. Yep. And this guy does like a, a like a conservative talk show out of there. Yep. And as far as I know, it's the only local talk show. Yep. There's one in... Oh, really? Uh, it, it's uh, W... Uh, well, live... WKMU or something like that. Or oh, okay. KWMU or something like that. All right. Uh, uh, live with Rank, it's WBCK. Yep, I know that one. Yep. But, yeah, uh, those little talk shows would be huge, you know. I I don't think it's as big today because the no, Internet is such a huge thing. talk radio was huge in the 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that Rush Limbaugh. It, that was when it took off. Oh, that's, that's yeah. how it took off. Exactly. Guys like Rush Limbaugh. And, uh, to a lesser extent, entertainment guys, the shock jocks like Howard Stern. and Yep. Exactly. Yeah, that third run, he won with 80% landslide. He started going on the John Oakley show doing his talks every morning. This is where Doug starts to notice that Rob's really fighting by himself. Like, there's nobody else backing him up, really. Maybe one or two, but for the most part, it's just him fighting the rest of the political fucking machine. And uh, basically, fighting the budget. His dad died recently to that point, because he died in, like, the early 2000s. I can't remember what year exactly. Oh, yeah, so in... 2008, Rob had a small victory where they actually passed budget expense restraints to where the councilmen had like a set limit of how much money they could actually spend out of their office expenditure Which is incredible that that wasn't already a thing. I know. I know. I cannot imagine. And that's why Rob was so pissed off about it. He's like, are you shitting me? You have an infinite pool you can just pull out of? Like, the more (laughs) I I read about this guy, the more I like him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. He's clearly a deeply flawed individual. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I think his personal life, outside of his family, like, when he was by himself, he just went downhill fast. Yeah. It was like he was stressed out too much, and he relied on substances to fucking, you know— but like the more you dig into this guy, it's like it, it's kind of hard to imagine no matter where you stand on a lot of these issues that like, how can you disagree with that? Yeah, I can't. I, I can't how, can, how can you disagree with, the, with that? With how his you, policy so far, I can't say I can. And disagree like I said, with this him. guy was not like a like his, he comes from a relatively conservative family. But it, like it's like his brother and, and his dad were more into the partisanship thing. This guy was just he wanted accountability and he wanted accessibility and he wanted customer service. Yeah. And he wanted the trains to run on time. And that was basically it. Yep. So chapter 11 pretty much tells Doug's, Doug Jr.'s story about how he he left public school, went to university, 
found out that he didn't like college at all. And then he doesn't seem like the kind no just based on this book. And he, exactly. And he so then coincidentally <laughs> the teachers union goes on strike for like the whole province or whatever. And I think I remember hearing about that. And so all the classes were canceled. So he's like, "Well, I'll just go home then. Fuck this, you know. I'm mm-hmm. not going to wait around until they get off their strike." So he goes back to the family business, Deco, and shows up for work. And his dad's like, well, once they get off strike, you're going back to school. And Doug's like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now the die is cast. Now you got to make yourself valuable so your dad will change his mind. And that's what he did. Yep. He, he immediately started going, dropping off brochures, doing cold calls for sales, stuff like that. Said he learned more in the first week than he ever did at school, which is usually what that's, everybody I mean, says. Honestly, that's how it is. It is. That's, you know, you – you're basically learning theory and maybe some uh, a few tools you'll There's gain. There's some value in those things, yeah. like social value. Yes, but not much in terms of like personal, like life improvement value. Yep, not a whole lot of. Uh... Nope, nope. So, anyways, Doug basically ends up working at Deco. Chapter twelve. He goes into how he was a major force in the Chicago expansion because the Doug Sr. was against expanding into the U.S. And Doug Jr. was like, there's a huge market down there. Like, we go to these conventions and seminars where we meet these other label company guys, and they always talk about how hard the competition is down in Chicago. Like, we should get down there. We should, you know, be competing with everybody else. And Doug Sr. was against it. So Doug Jr. got together with the accounting guy that was like maybe like a CFO or one of the big big wig accounting guys. And he's like, hey, meet me here. We're going to fly down to Chicago. <laughs> We're going to look at business spaces down here. I love how this and- family is just about doing things behind dad's back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dad said we can't do it. We know it's going to work, so we're, we're going to do, do it, it anyways. We're going to do it anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, they fly down secretly. Find if I was his dad, I would just be pissed off all the fucking time. <laughs> like, I hate my kids so much. <laughs> they get me wrapped up into all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyways, they ended up, without Doug Sr. knowing it, starting up a Chicago hub. And he said for he was down there for about three months straight before things were self-sustaining down in Chicago. I think he said they they had a budget of about $80,000 down there in Chicago to begin with. And within the first year, they were doing pretty good. And then after that, they expanded into New Jersey, but they made a mistake of buying an already established business, and apparently they racked up a bunch of fucking debt against that company. So then when they took ownership of it they had to pay off the other company's mm. previous debts they're like looking back we should have never bought that company out <laughs> so yeah that was a little chapter about their business expansion uh, chapter 13 this is rob's mayor mayoral run and he ran against establishment hacks <laughs> just a bunch of people that were just there for the party um Turns out Rob had done himself a huge favor in his campaign because he had a list of all the phone numbers he'd either called or received calls from as a councilman and in other previous campaigns for his dad and himself. 
So he, they said he had like thousands of phone numbers. So that's when they. Hey, remember when I helped you with that issue? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they told one little story about how he had a phone number from a woman, Mrs. Johnson, during because back then in the Toronto area, the garbage service was unionized. And it was municipal, so it was all controlled by the city. And all the garbage men went on strike, so Mrs. Johnson needed her garbage taken out. So Rob drove to Mrs. Johnson's house, grabbed her garbage, and took it to the dump for her. And it's like, you don't get that kind of service from your politicians here in the fucking U.S. No. <laughs> you don't get that anywhere anymore. <laughs> You put, you Can you imagine? <laughs> you can, you're, your elected politician shows up and grabs your fucking garbage. No fucking way in hell. That would that, never happen. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. We've all had issues that we've had needed resolved at like the local or municipal level and stuff like that. I remember one time uh, I hit a pothole in uh, in, and I was living there at the time. So uh, I took the when I got the tire changed, I was like, "Hey, can I have the old tire?" And they're like, "Sure." And I took it to the to the like city offices. <laughs> it's like, hey, I brought you something. <laughs> Needless to say, they did not reimburse me <laughs> for hitting their fucking pothole. You know. Yeah, uh, the road I grew up on. You know how atrocious that is. Yeah, I saw they t- t- took it to dirt. Yeah, we took a step back. <laughs> you know what? I, improvement well yeah yeah yeah. it's an improvement don't get me wrong but we're going back in time with technology you know i'm it's sure like, it we makes, can't handle the current level of technology that I'm was sure invented hundreds of years ago much more comfortable though <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> you got that amish yeah there. yeah the amish yeah they're like good we're back where we want to be yeah, it's, it's <laughs> reject modernity yeah. embrace tradition <laughs> yeah. i saw that they have a basketball hoop i was like i didn't know amish people play basketball <laughs> I wish people can do all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, Rob's, uh, let's see here. Some guy so, just comes out in like a Nets jersey. So the media, the, the media was scrambling to find anything they could about Rob, you know, make him look like an asshole and that he shouldn't be elected. Rob would coach football, loved football a lot. So he would coach on a local team that he'd coached on for a long time. And, uh, they went after him because he was spending a lot of time coaching football and he should be concentrating more on his council, you know, duties. He gives better customer service than anyone else on the council. Yeah. And they're like, like criticizing. And they're criticizing him because he spends time coaching football. It's like, eat my ass. You <laughs> fucking assholes. <laughs> and uh, uh, then they went after what him. What are you be- doing at the local charity? So you should be here working. The Ford family had a Jesus. cottage or something down in Florida that they'd go to vacation. And, Back in high school, like a senior year, I think, he got a DUI and a pot charge back in the 90s. So they pulled that up on him. And he's like, yep, I did it, and I'm very sorry. And everybody was like, well, he admitted to it, and he apologized. <laughs> yes. Oh, well. <laughs> and it got, you know, just I love it, like, when things behind. don't stick. You just <laughs> see the desperation. Just flailing desperation. <laughs> yep. Uh, so finally, Rob wanted his brother Doug to help him out on the campaign and in his in the mayor's office and doug didn't want anything to do with it doug's like nope not getting involved don't want any part of this shit running a business you know i don't have time for this and it's just it's just stressful horse shit and so rob invited doug to lunch and also uh there there was another guy with him 
at this lunch. And finally, the guy that was with Rob and Doug looked at Doug and said, Doug, let's cut the horse shit. Your brother needs you to fucking help him out in the mayor's office when he wins. <laughs> and Doug was like, uh, okay, okay, fine. I'll fucking do it. Oh, <laughs> the direct approach seems to work really well with this family. Yeah, yeah. Yep, agreed. Basically, from then, they they did the campaign just like they had in previous times. Doug found that when he went door knocking, people told him, like, hey, you don't even need to waste your time knocking on these doors. We're already going to vote for fucking Rob. So just quit wasting your time and go yeah, concentrate on other shit. I was going to say, shit. go to the next house. Yep. <laughs> and then, of course, his brother won in 2010. So on to chapter 14. And that is where I never got past. Okay, I got you. <laughs> yep, that's where. All right. That's how far I got. So politics just find out that politics is as bad as you think it is. Oh shit. <laughs> it's like everybody is fighting him tooth and, and nail. And the higher up you get, the more people you got to deal with. Exactly. And that's exactly what he like he thought it was hard fighting other council members being on the council, but then once he became mayor, it's like shit. I'm the mayor. Sure, I can do a lot by myself, but I have to convince the whole council or, you know, the majority to fucking back me up on this. And he, in when he was on the council, he was by himself, but now he's really by himself. Like, it, yeah. It's lonely at the top. So the first thing they found out, I think they were like 770 million in debt when he, with the first budget. And he's like, it's a four year. That's what it is a four year term because he said, you know, you only have two to three years to get what you want done yes. before you have I to remember. campaign on the fourth fucking year, basically. Mm-hmm. So you ha- only have, you know. Two you said th- that earlier in the book. I remember because I remember reading that quote. Yes. And, and basically the first years are like, well, shit, we need to get moving. We need to get moving fast. So they went line item by line item down through the fucking budget, investigating and finding out where they could, you know, cut shit do what they needed to do because they were talking about doing a tax increase. And he's like, there's no way in hell we're doing a tax increase. Fuck that. He's like, no way. There is plenty of fat we can trim. And sure enough, they yielded $150 million by cutting waste and they abolished the vehicle tax. Now was the $700 million. (laughs) Was that what they owed or is that the deficit? I think that was the deficit. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of fucking... That's insane. That's a lot That's of like money. a small state. Yes. Uh, they privatized the garbage pickup because they were sick and tired of the union horse shit going on. Oh, they did a study comparing the Toronto Garbage Service to other, other municipalities and other private garbage services, and they found that private garbage services, they would take their lunches on their routes... Whereas the union and the public garbage service, they would drive all the way back to the fucking station to have their lunch. <laughs> <laughs> they found that the public garbage service had smaller trucks, whereas the private ones invested in bigger trucks, so they didn't have to come back as often. And then uh, the private garbage service would fuel up their trucks the night before when they locked them up, whereas the public ones would just fuel up when they ran out so they would stop in the middle of their fucking route to fuel their shit or they would have to fuel up first thing in the morning before they took off (laughs) ron paul i was gonna say i got got ron paul smiling behind me it's like i know i know that he's smiling right now thinking about it 
the free market always does things better. <laughs> Almost exclusively. <laughs> I think prisons might be the only exception to that rule. Uh, private private prisons are kind of sketch. Yeah. I, well, you've put a profit incentive on. <laughs> that's a good point. That's <laughs> on, a good uh, point. On, uh, on having more people in. Yep. And uh, and uh, not having the best. Uh, having more people in and uh, not having the best conditions. So, Amen. Yeah, so it's a, eh. But yeah, generally, if you put a profit incentive on something, you'll get a better result. So uh, when it comes to services like that, like garbage, it makes it stands to reason, you know, yeah. because they're trying to get as much bang for their buck. They want to have as little like cost yep. and operating cost Do as possible. Do it the most That's, efficient way possible. Yeah, they're trying to because <laughs> it's like, why would you pay for somebody to go back to the station? You yeah. know, you can just ha- have your lunch on your route, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a funny part where the uh, where Rob ran into the prime minister of the pro. I think it's of the province. Is it? No, it might have been the prime. Is it the prime minister? Prime minister is of Canada. Premier is of the province. Okay, thank you. So the prime minister at the time, I don't remember who was. Uh, who what that year was. was it? L. It would have been thirteen, 13. or not thirteen? Uh, Two thousand ten. Uh, fuck. I don't it was remember. before the current dumbass. No. Uh, no. Yeah, it was definitely before. Trudeau. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, Rob ran into him, and the prime minister was impressed with Rob. Gordon Brown, maybe. That sounds. Rob yeah, ran into the sorry. prime minister, and the prime minister was impressed with Rob for spending less money the current year than they had the previous year. So, like, usually you get a slow increase. Yes, and fucking the prime minister was like, "Oh my god, how the fuck did you pull this off?" <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> the secret ingredient is common sense. Sir. That's where uh, Doug mentioned the fact that Rob talked with eighty people per day. Like, that's just I can't imagine. Can you that. imagine? Damn. Like I so if I was in politics, I would be much more of the Ron Swanson bent where <laughs> yeah. I schedule all of them for days that don't exist, you know? <laughs> and try to meet with as few people as possible. Uh, and this guy is out here meeting eighty people a day. That's amazing. That's you know what? I'm assuming like a let's let's be generous, a twelve hour max work day. Yep. Yeah. That's a lot of meetings. That's a lot. That's a lot. It you pretty much have to do seven people per hour. Yes. Yep. That's incredible. Yeah. So uh, also talks about how the media was still trying to go after him, anything they could possibly clutch on to. One of them, they gave him shit because he wouldn't go to the gay pride parade. And, uh, <laughs> and no, it, I'm busy working. <laughs> that's pretty much what Doug's defending him, saying he's like, he's a busy son of a bitch. And just coincidentally, and this is where I don't know if they're just playing, you know, like, oh, we have a convenient excuse, but – they would get together the same weekend of the gay pride parade at their family cottage at that time, supposedly. Now that I, could I, love be... how, I love how that's like, like the moral, th- like, Oh, why aren't you at the gay pride parade? Cause I don't have gay pride. <laughs> exactly. Like, I, like if you feel passionate about it, that's fucking cool, man. But yep. like, <sighs> yeah. Oh, you haven't, you haven't paid homage to our God. Yeah. In our religion. Yeah. Are you a non-believer, sir? exactly fuck off yep i agree but the thing is every year he would have go down to the i guess there was like a caribbean pride parade or something like that where a bunch of people that were from the caribbean would uh do a parade and he'd go down there and celebrate he was a part of that but the media never gave him any credit for that so where was that where was that one at in toronto 
Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say like they were that, both in Toronto. Well, I say right. what what time of year because how, I think it was willing, it was later in the year. Well, how willing I am to go to a parade in Toronto was gonna depend on what time of year it is. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. It was never during the winter time, at least from what I understood. Uh, oh, then some. He was driving and he happened to be on a cell phone, and some lady was in a lane next to him and took a video of him on his phone driving. And then the media tried to make a big stink about it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm busy taking calls all the fucking time. Like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I mean, hands, hands free devices were in there. Infancy. But like, I was okay, like, cool. How many of you never, never touched your phone while you were driving? Yeah, come on. Let's be honest here. <laughs> Fuck with it. All like, we all the know time. we're not supposed to do it, but everyone does to some extent. So then uh, it goes on to say, like, during Rob's term, he didn't have a police escort. He wouldn't have a police escort. He didn't have a driver and a chauffeur or nothing like that because it would cost money. And he didn't want to cost any more money than he had to. So, like, he was hard line on the shit. And because of that, they wouldn't post his schedule ahead of time of what he was doing because he got a lot of death threats. Like, a lot of fucking death threats. And uh, that was one thing they were pissed at the media about, too, was that, you know they give him shit about all this random bullshit. And it's like, the guy's, not only is he saving everybody money and trying to make the city better and he's holding up to his campaign promises and he's talking to more people than anybody else would fucking talk to. He's also catching a lot of fucking shit, not only from the politicians in the media, but also getting these death threats too. That's another uh, yeah. parallel with uh, a certain, you yeah. Know, oh yeah. Certain pariah. But so it's like he, every little thing I remember. Yeah. Cause, so relate this to American people. It's almost as if everyone was freaking out about the president having two scoops, two scoops of ice cream, <laughs> two scoops. <laughs> Other members of staff only got one scoop, but he got two scoops <laughs> and, uh, of ice cream. Yeah. So two scoops. Anyways, they Jesus. so they uh, they talk about like he was the first mayor at the time to close the inner doors to his office. Basically, basically they're like. Well, like you said, he didn't publish his schedule, so nobody knew where he was going to be. Well, what happened at one point, there is this crazy woman that does this internet show at the time, and she dressed in red armor and had a plastic samurai sword and would just, like, on the spot interview people by surprising them. So what she did is she waited outside of his home in the morning, and fucking he comes out the front door with his daughter, who he was going to take to school and here's this to him crazy person in red armor with a sword so he he hurries up goes back in the house calls the cops because he's like don't know who the hell this is and everybody gave him shit because like she's a well-known you know interviewer on the internet he should know like like he fucking knows what's going on in the internet. Internet Jesus. was again in its infancy at the time. Well, no, two thousand wasn't, wasn't in its infancy. But iPhones like, came out in two thousand six, so there's four years there where people were okay, first so, starting so to get phones in the their constant hands. connectivity. Time yes, exactly. Because social media was kind of like it was exploding at the time, but it wasn't anything like it is today. Yep. So yeah, I I think it's fair to give him you know the break where it's like there's certain like like let's be real this guy has a lot of flaws but like that ain't one of them man. no not one of them so if I saw somebody in red armor like coming up to me with a sword <laughs> yeah. like I know you're strapped all the time like that, uh, you better hope that armor's fucking real. <laughs> 
You're about to get <laughs> shot, motherfucker. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. So, oh, my God. That was one of their bullshit stories. Be glad stories. you live in Canada where they don't have any guns. Fuck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yep. That was the end of Chapter 14. Chapter 15... The, uh, they tell a story about how he met the, I think it was Prince, wasn't Prince William. What's the other prince from the UK? Charles? Might have been Charles. You've got William, Charles, Harry. It's probably not Harry. Harry was in the military. Yeah, I think it was Charles. That's uh, Charles was the oldest one. Oh, then it was William. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause, uh, so Charles is the old one. William's the middle one. Harry's the one that's cuckolded and married to an American <laughs> actress. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so he meets the prince. It was just a little funny aside story, but basically they set up like a big uh, fireworks show for the prince and they security briefed him on how the whole thing was going to go down. They were going to be seated in kind of like a horseshoe shaped configuration and Rob was supposed to be seated next to the prince. And then no, I could I could see Rob just based on his character at this point doing something like <laughs> like, a, you know, we could save a lot of money by getting rid of the chairs. <laughs> well, so what happened was. There was a mix-up because apparently the head of security didn't know the difference between Rob and Doug. So Doug got seated next to the prince, and uh, Rob got seated next to the prince's wife or something like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> and fucking, at one point, the prince goes, so Doug, uh, who paid for all this? And Doug goes, not really sure, but it probably wasn't us. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And uh, so then they also talk about... Uh, trip they took down to chicago to meet with Rahm emanuel they get down there and doug goes so going along with how rob didn't have a driver or nothing he's like you would have thought it was some really big head of state that just showed up when they met Rahm because Rahm showed up in a limousine with a whole police escort big fancy limo he's got a bunch of security around him and shit and he's like with Rob's entourage, it was just us and our personal vehicles. He's like, it's just, it's Rob, Doug, and like, it's like a rusted out. No security, nothing. He's oh, like, yeah. just goes to show you how much money's blown on this stupid shit. Oh my god! <laughs> and if there was ever a person worth protecting, I feel like Rob Ford was more worthy than Rahm Emanuel. Amen, amen. And uh, so the. They took a tour of Chicago with Rom, and they showed off the whole Chicago. What do they call it? The Windy City, right? Is Chicago? Yeah. And the uh, city. showed off their waterfront with their, you know, oh the river parks. That goes through it. Oh, oh, they're talking about the lakefront. Yeah, there. the lakefront and the because you got the river going through it, and that's kind of cool. And then you got the lakefront there with the Navy Pier. And it, Navy Pier. That's and, that's cool. And I don't the know football field there. there, and all that, field. and parks, and yep. all that cool stuff, and. Oh, I bet. I bet Rob would have liked Soldier Field. Oh, yeah. Field. And that's what Rob was like, hey, look at this. Like, this is a huge tourist attraction. Like, we could do something like this in Toronto. Like, we could have a really cool waterfront and, you know, yep. really use our space there to bring in tourists. Well, the council, of course, hated it because it's Rob's idea. And <laughs> shit all over it. Never did it. I think in, that in their defense, Toronto is very pleasant to be at three months out of the year. True. <laughs> true story. Uh, so then, uh, ended up, so one of Rob's political opponents took his same radio station idea and went on a radio station that was out of downtown, uh, Toronto and basically started going on every day and just trashing Rob all the time and kind of causing some trouble. 
So then Rob and Doug were like, we get more viewers than that guy. So let's call up the manager of that radio station and let's see if we can take the radio station from him. And sure enough, the, the manager was like, oh, yeah, you're going to bring more listeners? Fuck yeah, you guys can have that time slot instead of that other Oh, councilman. so he just started coming on the show that was trashing him? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's a baller move. <laughs> and uh, then, this, this guy had some big dick energy, man. Oh, man, he had some big dick energy. <laughs> this guy had some big dick. I love this guy, man. Uh, so then the media went after him because – Supposedly, he did a Rob did a fundraiser for the uh, all the football equipment for his football team, and it was like sixty thousand dollars or something like that. And the media claimed that it was a conflict of interest, and uh, a parent I think filed a suit. And apparently, the conflict of interest is like a big thing in Canada, or at least I, I don't know. It sounded like kind of like a formal court proceeding in order to do a conflict of interest case or something yeah they might actually have like an actual court proceeding for it here it's more of an accusation you throw yeah exactly so anyways it was a big deal and then uh rob was finally like fucking he 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 was finally like i'll just refund the people their money back whatever i'll give them the money and then none of the parents took any of the money back they're like nope like we gave the money, we already filed it against our taxes to get tax deductions for the f- fundraising and the donations. So basically, it was like <laughs> it, one person that wasn't even yeah, affiliated with it, exactly. Bitching about yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And, and they were trying to make it sound like Rob was embezzling or something like this, that. This was this this guy was like getting harassed by Karens before Karens were a thing. Yes, yes, it it, it was pretty sad. Some of the shit and. Uh, Doug goes on to talk about how much this was stressing out Rob. Um, oh yeah. Then there were some like eco hippies. So that's always how it starts. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and they start going after him because Rob wanted to get water put in the vending machines in the city. He wanted water bottles or he wanted water in the vending machine. Cause there was just like pop and a bunch of other shit. And Rob was like, Oh, why don't we put some water in there too? Like, you know, water. So he's not. And then, and then banning <laughs> anything. And then, so <laughs> the eco hippies went after him. They were pissed off, like you said, because they're like, "Oh, water bottles are bad for the environment and all that shit." And then they're like, "What about well, the he, other plastic he a, bottles?" He had a contract. The only thing that they're complaining about, the like, because I don't know if Canada has a deposit the same as the United States does, but in yeah, the United States, know. water doesn't have a deposit on it, nope, and you can't return it. Yep. So the way they went after maybe, him is they said the that his label company, the Deco label company, had a contract with a water bottle company. So that's conflict of interest. And it turns out it was a small temporary contract years before. They aren't even so, currently yeah, making money off of him. So, <laughs> wow. so they they're dragged him through court digging. again on this shit. They're just digging, and, man. And the same thing they did with a, a plane manufacturer. Uh, I don't remember what company it was, but... They made labels for an airplane manufacturer, and they claimed that because he wanted to expand the municipal airport in Toronto, that that was because he was getting kickbacks from a plane company for making labels for him. Like, was, you, was Reddit a thing back then? <laughs> this, this type of shit has just Reddit written all over it. This sounds like a Reddit comment section right now. Yep, yep. It's fucking retarded. So then uh, it, chapter 16... 
he it goes into where he had to a, the biggest fight other than the budget was transportation like he had a hard on for transportation wanted to like i said take street cars off the streets because they always fucking clogged up traffic they were constantly Doug said his personally he had been behind streetcars so many times where the antenna would fall off the fucking cable. And then it's just stuck there. And then it's just stuck there until the driver would get out and try to use their hook to put it back on the antenna. And then on top of that, he talked about how bicyclists would always cram up the fucking roads and always cut people off, piss people off all the time. I mean, you've worked in Portage for years. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Hate them, too. They're they're, they're overrun. (laughs) And I gotta so drive, I got to drive through to get to work and almost every day there's some bice because there's so many bice, especially once the weather's warmer. Like yes. I got to give myself an extra five minutes because I know I'm going to get stuck by like either behind a bicyclist. I'm going to have to stop because other people stop for bicyclists. It's like, get off the fucking road. Yeah. <laughs> you have all of these bike paths through these beautiful parks. There's so many parks. It's like, get the fuck off the road. I can't remember who the comedian was, but there was a comedian that did a skit about a bit about uh, bicyclists and how they get pissed at people who walk in the bike lane. And he's like, yeah, how do you think drivers feel? <laughs> it's like, you're using an outmoded mode of transportation. Uh, yeah. Well, anyways, so, yeah, they were fighting hard to redo their transportation, but the council obviously wouldn't have it. Like, well, the, uh, So I actually remember hearing a little bit about this. So one of the things is like the, the, the streetcars was kind of like, well, that's part of the, 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 the charm of Toronto. It's yeah. like people come there and they all want to be on the streetcars because like there's not that many places that still have them. Toronto, yeah. uh, San Francisco used to have them for the longest time. I think they still do in some places, but they not, might. not nearly like it used to be. Right. And so, because that was really, really early public transit. So, yep. but yeah, it, yeah, they argue that it's a tourist thing, but Rob's like, no, I think it's more important for the suburbs to be able to more efficiently get into the inner city yeah, for work. Yeah, he didn't seem like much that, for tradition. He was that, more about yeah, efficiency. Yeah, absolutely. And so that was a huge point of contention, and they fought real hard, and they could never get him to fucking budge because uh, just th- their opponents would just – yeah, they just hated them. <laughs> they, they wouldn't fucking capitulate at all. The biggest, the biggest uh, issue I can see with that is that uh, that's a huge amount of money up front that you'd need to pay. That's like the startup they, cost to get. So a they had like it figured out. They had mm-hmm. subsidies from the federal government and the provincial government mm-hmm. that would fork up like a lot of the money to do it. And they were planning well, on even then, like if it's coming from the Fed, like you're, it's still tax money. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so it, it, you'd have to really know that the amount of money you're going to make or the, or the amount of money you're going to save right. is going to be worth it. It's like those high-speed rails they keep wanting to put in. Yeah. And even in places where they put them in, nobody fucking rides them. Yeah, yeah, that one huge rail that goes from, I think, like, D.C. down to Texas or some shit like that. Yeah, there's, there's all these... barely like, ever rails. gets fucking ridden. Yeah, no, nobody... <laughs> ri- it's just empty yep. going back and forth, you know. Yeah, like federal money like all five the people on time. it. You know, you know, they did this all the time. Or it gets caught up in local politics, like, trying to build it and everything. Yep. And that, I think that might also come into play in a situation like this. Because with mass... Especially with mass transit, it's like, you gotta, you gotta be sure that what you're doing is actually gonna give you a return on that investment. Yep. Well, anyways, they go on to brag about uh, uh, the media was still doing this dumb shit, trying to, you know, pick at him any way they possibly could. But he said that I think it was in 2012 
2013 before the clown show started they had more cranes in toronto building new projects than like 10 of the top 10 u.s cities so they had more construction and development going on in toronto than any other city supposedly in north america combined on like the top 10 or something like that that's impressive it's a stat that he used don't know if it's true or not but either way it's pretty impressive <clears throat> chapter 17 this is where you know the the shoe drops or whatever yeah. you want to call it and uh yep. basically the media released uh article saying that hey we have watched a video that's making the rounds from some somali drug dealers <laughs> of rob ford it's always the somali <laughs> drug dealers of rob ford smoking crack and uh basically rob immediately denied it uh, denied it to his brother too and you know what? it's a convincing argument because like i said in the beginning it's like this would be the fattest crackhead i've ever seen yeah <laughs> uh doug goes on to say hey rob was a closet alcoholic nobody really knew um yeah his, his alcoholism was really that was the problem that, that was the biggest problem because i feel like the crack came through the alcohol yep it was like a gateway for him uh again more talk about how he's fighting over the subway system he wanted to get implemented. Uh, and then one of the previous mayoral candidate came out and made a sexual harassment allegation against him, saying that he grabbed her ass at some ball, some charity ball or something like that. Well, luckily, there was another councilman there that had a spine, stepped forward and said, no, I heard her talking about this with her campaign manager before it even happened. Basically, oh. she set up a fucking fake story, making a false allegation against them. And then uh, Rob didn't sue her. And Doug was like, that was a huge political fucking misstep. He should have sued her, should have taken her to court, made a big fucking thing about it to, you know, discredit everybody else that's fucking going against him, too. Well, yeah, and it would have discredited because even if it turns out it's fake, you're still going to have a sizable population that are going to believe it. The original story. Yep. And, uh. So Doug was kind of disappointed in his brother about it. Uh, this is also the first time we hear about Gawker. Remember Gawker? Oh, wow. I haven't heard that name in a while. I know, right? And uh, they, they died. Yeah. Around the time he did, actually. Exactly. Uh, so Gawker was raising money to try to buy the video off from the Somali drug dealers. <laughs> <laughs> this is an early entry into clown world. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is like towards the very beginning. We're just starting to get into clown world. <laughs> Say Harambe's probably got another two years left to live. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is clock's ticking. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're getting right to where the timeline split. Uh, around this time, uh, this is where I'm coming towards the end of uh, where uh, I quit reading. So they... The last thing I read, they fucking went after his football coaching gig because they're the he had pissed off the administration of the school that he coached football at somehow just through his normal politics and stuff. Like, they didn't like him because he didn't want to raise the budget and all this other shit. Oh, okay. So they're like, yeah, well, you made some racist comments about, you know, poor people basically not being able to afford football equipment and just that's not and, racist and, and, that's <laughs> normal <laughs> there's a reason like poor people usually in most places prefer either basketball or soccer yep in most 
countries and in most parts of this country. It's like because you don't need anything really. Yep. <laughs> Fifteen bucks, you've got yourself a ball. So, uh, yeah, they took away football from him, which I think was another step towards his downfall. And oh uh, uh, yeah, because that's like his his like biggest passion in terms of exactly. Like, so they're like, life. oh yeah, you you aren't gonna play ball with the politicians and do what we want you then to you're do. You're not gonna play ball. Period. Well, we're not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're not even gonna play ball. <laughs> not even gonna coach it. So that's where I quit reading. Uh, I kind of skipped ahead through the chapters just to see you know how exactly he passes away because he does die in 2016, and it was from. Pleomorphic uh, liposarcoma, which is like a rare form of cancer. It's a, it's, a, it's a lipo referring to fat usually, so something about fat cells. It said that it replicates in muscle and fat and tissues well, he had a lot very of fast. <laughs> yes, he did. But, yeah, I, I think that uh, I, I, I imagine after this, you know, because and the other thing, like we said at the beginning, that video didn't get released to the public until 2016. Until after, after he was he, dead. After he died, yep. which Doug talks about, and he's like, that's why he hates the media even more, because it wasn't good enough to just trash him while he's alive and in in, yeah. in office. They waited until after he died too. Well, yeah, they, they, and then they his family had to suffer seeing you know the, their dad, you know the children see their dad get fucking. They drove this guy into substance abuse. Yeah. For trying to help. Yep. They drove him into substance abuse and then d- used that to destroy him. Yep. It's just insane. Yeah. So, uh, it was sad. Uh, just real quick. I This was pretty much written by Doug Ford. Almost entirely. Uh, him and his brother did talk about the book. And his brother did say that he wanted him to finish the book even if yep. he died. This is... I feel like this was a like a, kind of a labor of love for his brother his brother for doug yeah kind of like trying to restore his brother's reputation at least a little bit like you don't have to reach everybody but at least he's getting the truth out there yep and to an extent i think there's a little bit of you know rosy like this is going to give an overly there's some rose-colored glasses going on here yeah there's some rose-colored glasses going on here definitely um but I, i also think for the most part the claims made in the book are true yeah, and I, it, you have to consider the totality of the man. Yep, he was a deeply flawed individual, but he, you know, he also had good results and it, it was the best of intentions. And I believe was honestly a, a, the type of politician we need. I think he was more a positive than a negative. Yep. I will say that. Um, yeah, I, I think there was a lot, a lot that he brought to the table. If we had more politicians like him, I think, uh, and the, I know he would understand that he was Canadian, but. Right. If we had more politicians like him in the world in general, I think the world would be a better place. If we had more like him in the United States, I think the United States would be a better place. His four principles were minus maybe the last one where he talks yeah, about crazy. transportation. I'm not crazy about the mass transit thing. Uh, you know, I, uh, I understand. In certain circumstances. Yes. Yeah. But at least, you know, for the It's mo- not a bad thing. The, the top three, though, I mean, transparency, accountability, reducing size and cost of government, uh, customer service. Holy shit. Like... Why isn't every politician running on that, those days? That, that should honestly be the bare minimum. <laughs> that is the bare minimum. Yeah. And yet they don't. Oh, holy shit. No. They don't. No, not even close. 
Yeah. Or, or if they do campaign on it, then they, you know, a lot of them go against what they just said. They oh, yeah. On. They promise we've, you all, we've all heard politicians say they were going to do those things. Did they? No. Yeah. No, For the I, most part. Like, uh, after Obama won in 08, there was, you know, the Tea Party became a thing. This, uh, well, so because American and Canadian culture is pretty closely linked, uh, do you think the Tea Party, because it's about the same time frame of when That's this guy was having his political rise, do you think I didn't was, even think about it in those he terms. Might've, he might have coattailed in, because that was like an early conservative form of populism. And this, oh, like yeah. I said, this guy was, he was a, he would be considered a moderate conservative, like in terms of ideology, but he wasn't a member of the conservative party. He was an independent. Right. And his brother and his father were both conservatives and you yep. can tell that they're more socially conservative than he is. Oh, but yeah. uh, at the same time, uh, do you think he might've like coattailed in on that fiscal conservatism that was making its way in the, I've yeah. Now that I think about it. Yeah. I think that was probably a big, yeah, I got to say that same was probably a big he, influence on him. He got started in the nineties and that's the Newt Gingrich thing too. Like, that, Oh yeah. Uh, co- uh, fiscal conservatism was just huge back then. Mm-hmm. And, oh, back in, you know, back in the nineties, conservatives still had the culture too so yeah. yeah i i definitely think yeah i think that's you think uh, this guy would have won today because <sighs> even because even right now we're in like a pretty conservative environment at least conservative friendly environment nationally and i think even internationally and uh i uh, don't but it's know. it's more cultural than fiscal fiscal conservatism is kind of on the way out i mean like yeah, I th- I think he'd have a really strong chance. I, I you think you think he would win, especially if he, even with his personal skeletons, if he came out and even like almost semi endorsed his personal actions, I think he would fucking win. You I you know what I I didn't really consider that because those things aren't considered as bad today. No, this is this not is ten years in the past. No, if you come out, and you're like. Hell yeah, I get drunk a lot, and I have fun and oh, party. Gosh, uh, the vice president of the United States talked and lied about smoking weed and listening to Snoop. So yep, exactly. Well before Snoop came out. Yep. Hilarious. <laughs> but all I knew about this guy going in was what I had heard on like news networks, like CNN or Fox and stuff like that. It's like, and they used to joke about it, and they had. Uh, I specifically remember every time he came on. Uh, is crack smoking mayor Rob Ford <laughs> from Toronto. Toronto's crack smoking mayor Rob Ford says this, did this, you know, that, and they were in on it too. Yep. Like American media was in on it too because yeah. they they were just hearing the whisperings from you know Canada and they're like, oh, we got to run the story. And he Doug talks about specifically a lot of the time the Toronto Sun, like he especially hates the Toronto Sun, <laughs> like so like I don't know much it, about them. Yeah, I know, I've, I've and heard they of it. they. Uh, he said that a lot of the news media in is basically like the deep downtown Toronto crew, basically like all them people, the, the it's council, like it's like its own swamp. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of like the, the Washington swamp. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Huh? I'm sure just similar to, uh, you know, like, was it like the eight richest counties in America or around DC and New York? Which is <laughs> hilarious. Cause have you seen what the outskirts of DC look like? Oh, fucking hellhole, probably. Yeah, it's a shithole. Yeah. It's, it's, you have some of the poorest, most crime-ridden parts of America. I mean, it's, but, yeah, the tiny little area around D.C. <laughs> and then, like, the rich outlying suburbs where all the politicians live and stuff yep. like that. Yep. Yeah, it's, like, the richest. So, um, I don't know if you listen to Jack Posobiec. 
Uh, um, I've I have heard him before on the Tim Pool show. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, he he's been on there. Uh, I really like Post, so I've been listening to his Human Events Daily uh, oh, okay. podcast. It's about like a 25, and he goes over like some big news stories and some stuff you don't normally hear like on other podcasts. That's why I like it. Okay. But uh, one of the things he says is inflation. Uh, inflation serves a purpose in that the people closest to the crown get the gold. Yes. Because yeah. that means there's more money in circulation. Yep. So to put it in is like the further you are from the crown, the less gold you have because your money is worth less. The closer you are to the crown, the, because money is changing hands and there's more of it in circulation, the closer you are to the crown, the more is going to end up in your pockets. Okay. And so that's something he talks about. And that kind of reminds me of that. And that, that reminds me of Rob Ford here. Like, that, that, you know, he was far from the crown. Yep. And, and, and it, it's not just about inflation. You could apply that to almost anything. It's like the guy who's the farthest from the crown is the one who gets shit on. And he was trying to push his way into an, an establishment to do good things, to use that power to do good things. And he, he tried to push his way into an establishment and then destroyed him. Yep. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Yeah, I mean, that's just – but the inflation thing – you know, when the when the Federal Reserve, you know, prints up more money or loans more money to the government, the first people to get, you know, the new money is, of course, you know, the friends of the politicians. Well, of course. That's how it works. Yep. Yeah. And then they have more money, so they're able to put and then as to hedge the, against the inflation. They're not just like the rest of us working for a living. And then over time, that new money will filter out into the rest of the economy, and that's where we're seeing now mass inflation. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I agree. I, I, think, I think Rob – he fought a good fight, you know, I think, from I think what was, I've read. He's obviously a deeply flawed individual, and, you know, I wouldn't want anyone to emulate him, especially in his personal vices. But uh, yeah. um, in terms of his politics and in terms of his engagement in the system, I mean, I think he was one of the good ones. Yep, agreed. And I think he got a raw deal, and I'm kind of – this has been eye-opening to me, and it's been um, kind of enjoyable. It reminds me – do you remember um, Jewel, the movie Jewel? About no. The, about the guy – so – this guy, uh, he was like a security guard for the Olympics, and like there was a fake bomb threat called in or something like that. Okay. Or maybe it was a real bomb. I forget. But he um, – so this guy, he uh, found it. He was a security guard, and he found it. And then the media destroyed him thinking that he was doing it to prop himself up as the hero because he really wanted to be a hero. So he went into it like, oh, he always used to fantasize about being a hero. He always used to want to be a cop. He always used to – now he's a security guard. So they basically made him out to be a wannabe who lied to, like, prop himself up. I think his name was Robert Jewell or, or something. I forget his name. Uh, something Jewell. And uh, it, it turns out he was completely telling the truth. Oh, really? Yeah, somebody else did it. Damn. And he, he actually did save people's lives. And he was a hero, and the media destroyed him. Wow. Kind of reminds me of this guy. Yeah. Like, he did smoke the crack. He did do the – so, I mean, it's not a one-to-one translation, but um, – and we compared him to Donald Trump, and I'm not going to be the fir- – I'm far from it. I, I mean, you remember, I hated Donald Trump, but – I, I like Donald Trump for the wrench he was in the engine. Yes, 100%. You know? And I think he yeah. was the right president to an extent at the right time. Uh, his most – the most useful things he did were probably uh, um, putting constitutionalist justices on the Supreme Court. Yeah, agreed with that. Yeah. Um, he was he was useful. He was very useful. Yeah. But he's kind of a terrible guy. Yeah. In per, in private life, but yep. like not a terrible president. Not nearly as bad as everyone thought he was, and as not not nearly as bad as everyone made it out to be. And now a lot of those people are eating crow. Oh yeah. Because things are going down to shitter real quick. Yep. It's like, 
I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say one thing. Uh, but he, he was an outsider, and he, he was a populist, and that's how it, why this guy reminds me of him. I didn't mean to go that far off. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, we could sit and talk about Trump and all that shit for hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, overall, I think I like the book. Yeah, I'm definitely going to finish reading it now that I've started. Amen. I'll finish it. And uh, I, I was – it was interesting to see, you know, behind just the news stories. So before we go into our next book, uh, on the next time we do one of these, um, do you want to, like, just give a quick, like, 10-minute recap of, like, hey, this is how it ended. This is what I thought. This is, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, we are – so that we're at least giving the audience their, their you the, know, Yeah, payout. okay. Yeah. Yeah, so before the next – we start the next one. We'll just wrap so just up real, real quick. Yeah, just. Do I don't like, want to take any time from the next book because the next book I believe is 1984, and yes. it's one of my favorites. Yeah, 1984 will be our next review. But when we start that episode, we will definitely uh, wrap up this one real quick. So yeah, yeah. Uh, if you got anything else, or I think that's good. Uh, oh man, I think we got more than enough. I was amazed we made. I don't know if. Uh, do we want to rate these, or do we just want to do a review and call that? Um, I would be okay with rating things. Do did we did we have a rating for uh, Starship Troopers? Nope, we didn't. Do we want to come up with one just off the top of our heads right now? Yeah. Well, do you want to do a one to five or? Uh, uh, I could do a one to five if I can do decimal points. Okay. I'd give uh, Starship Troopers. Uh, no, I'll give it a four. Okay, I think that's fair. I I would. I Act, think the action left something to be desired. Amen. I I think just the uh kind of the way he ended the story and everything. Yeah. And, it was and rushed and, and kind of and lazy. like you said, some of the times where he would say, "I'm not going to do this," and then do it, and or or just like completely skip that. I wanted to hear about that. Exactly. You know? So. Y- yep. So yes, I would agree. In fact, but I'll social, even go the social and political I'll, commentary on it was top notch. I love the sci-fi aspects. I'll even give it a little lower. Just because I'm a little more harsher on that. Okay. Just like, I think if you're going to write a book, <laughs> you need to, you, you can't just be like an amateur kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like he could have done better. So I'll give it a 3.8. 3.8? 3. Okay. Yeah. So, right so uh, what do you give uh, Ford Nation? Ford Nation, I feel the same way where the story, I, it's a biography, first of all. Yes. And, and full I, disclosure, it, I hate biographies. Yes. So, but I'm, uh, I'm, get, not, I'm not going to completely shit on it for that. But, and at the same time, you know, it was a biography really about two people, Doug yes. and Rob. Well, honestly, about the whole family. I mean, about the whole family. We're, we're eight chapters in before he even starts. To t- I mean, Rob is kind of a background character for the first, like, eight chapters. There were some uh, citations in here. So he did reference some things. I haven't looked at the, was it the bibliography or whatever yeah, you want to yeah, call it? Yeah, and a good portion of this book is like little blurbs about the people and things that they said about Rob. And it was it was kind of interesting because exactly, he actually had some, uh, what do you call it? like. Uh, so this is honestly really about the whole family. It's about the whole family. The focus is and on And it is Rob. called Ford Nation. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's So it's really a book about the family, two fans of the Ford family. Or people that just want to know the truth. And want to know I the think. truth. Their truth, at least. Well, yeah, and their side. At least their side of the story. Because they did get, they did, they got railroaded. And Doug was honest. And he did say that, you know, Rob wanted me to finish this book, even if he wasn't able to contribute like he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And he said in there that he wasn't going to put words in Rob's mouth. He would just let Rob speak for himself. So I think overall it was a pretty truthful book. 
I don't th- if there I, I is. Don't think, I don't think there was any out and out lies. No, I don't think so either. I think it was. I think there was perspective things like this is our perspective on it so i think i would give this book a four yeah i think four is fair um i'm a little biased against it just because of the biography Uh, okay so this one um i liked certain things about it i didn't like others like i said it took a long time to get to the point i understand that that but yeah uh, uh it takes a long time and it's not a terribly long book so you're halfway through this thing before you really get to the part anybody cares about that's a good point um I give it a three five. Okay. Uh, good good spots are it's a story that deserves to be told. It's kind of setting records straight on a flawed but ultimately I think a good man. Yep. And uh, and a good politician. And uh, like I said, I hate biographies, but I didn't despise this book. I liked it more than I thought I would. Yep. And it's because of that because it's 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 very very relatable. They both are. Everyone in the book is very relatable. Okay. All right. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, that wraps up another book review on the book stops here and we'll see you again i'm gonna say what i'd like to do i'd really like to do the first sunday of every month be the release okay i know uh, we, we as of recording this we still haven't released the last one right uh wednesday starts the uh the network that we'll be under okay uh, yeah because it started wow getting ambitious you're starting it <laughs> yeah yeah we we went from hey we have a podcast to hey we have a network now <laughs> well no i mean you're doing it the week of your wedding yeah yeah that too yeah starting off live <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> so anyways uh yeah this coming wednesday which will be the 18th i believe of may that's when the mb network I think, no, the MB Machine Network is what we're calling it. And underneath of the network will be The Book Stops Here, our book review podcast. Uh, The MB Movie Review, which is a movie review podcast with The Midge and myself. The uh, Obscurity, which is the podcast with Midge and R. And then the MB Machine Podcast with myself Mitch. Now what is obscurity about because i've heard about this podcast but uh so it sounds like they're gonna do kind of an informative they're an informative uh, i don't know how to describe it almost I, I don't know exactly what it's going to be about you have to ask them specifically but they're going to pick a topic and they're going to talk about it and they're going to it's going to be more informative than it's going to be entertainment per se it'll be entertaining but it won't be antics like we have on the MB Machine podcast. Yeah, or, our, or, our stripes me is a little bit more straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't a gay joke. I mean, he's, he's a little more straight, like, shooter than the rest of you guys. You guys are kind yes. of bullshitters. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Our, our is a little more straight, and our is going to be backing us up on the tech side of things. We're going to be updating our studio a little more. We're actually going to have monitors in here, and we're going to oh, wow. be all fancy and shit. Nice, so. nice. Yep. Very cool. But anyways, we'll most likely have our next review up after this one, or we'll have this review up most likely in the beginning of June, and then 1984 will be coming out in July. So when is, uh, when is uh, Starship Troopers going to be out then? I'm thinking the first Sunday of May. 
or the first Sunday of June. Sorry. So first Sunday of June. This one will be first Sunday of July. Yeah, because and then yeah, uh, nineteen eighty four will be first Sunday of August. There we go. Okay, sorry, I got that screwed yeah, up. Yeah, I was gonna say. I just want to make sure it makes sense because we're in May right now. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know. I know it doesn't feel like it. Time is such a weird thing, man. <laughs> like, well, I mean, time oh, is a valuable thing. Last two Watch years, it fly by as the pendulum swings. La- <laughs> last two years sorry. felt like twenty. Oh God, yes. But all right. We'll see you next month.